So today we're going to study, uh, we're going to read through some scripture. I'm going to go through this, and then I'm going to pray, and we're going to watch a, a short video just giving a good representation of what we're reading, and then we're going to dive in and unpack and, and uh, see where God takes this. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open it up to, or turn them on, to uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 14, uh, verse, uh, verse 22, and it'll be up here on the screen. And if you don't have a Bible, that's something we really believe as Redemption Church, believe that everybody should have their own Bible. So if you don't have one, out at the information uh, desk table, uh, there are free Bibles there. We would love for you to take one home and read it. Uh, it doesn't do a whole lot of good if it just sits on your coffee table. So pick it up and open it and read it. So Matthew 14 and verse 22, immediately... Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves against the wind because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, Tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. O you of little faith, he said, Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this message of, uh, of doubt and of, uh, of no fear that you have presented to us here in your word. Um, Lord, I lift us up this morning as, uh, as one church and as one voice with everybody as one body. Uh, we give you praise this morning, Lord. We ask that you open our eyes, that you open our ears, that you open our hearts to receive your word. Uh, we thank you in your name. Amen. Why did he walk away just when we're getting strong? Surely a Messiah wouldn't leave us like this. A Messiah should be a, a warrior, a conqueror like David. Judas, force is not the way. So tell me what the way of Messiah is. He's different. But Mary, what if he's not the one? We're risking our lives. For what? He has shown us his power. We must have faith in him. Come on. He'll not fail us. He said he'd meet us on the other side. Let's go!
is the Messiah. Peter. Very powerful uh, visual representation of what we just read in Matthew. Um, you know, I love that, that part when, when, when Peter just is, is this big toe that seems to be about as long as a finger, that he's just dipping down into the water. He's just, he's just going to test it first. And that's what we do, you know, and so, so often. I mean, that's, we, we doubt, right? As many of us out there that are believers and we have such a strong faith, we still doubt. We could be in the middle of a storm, and yet sometimes we just want to dip that little toe in the water just, to, just as a little test because we still want to hold on to everything. So what is doubt? Doubt is to waver in opinion or judgment, to be in uncertainty as to belief respecting anything, to hesitate in belief, to be undecided as to the truth of the negative or the affirmative proposition, to suspect, to fear, to question, to hold questionable. To withhold confidence, to distrust. So if you are here today and you've put your faith in Jesus, is this how you would describe yourself? Would you, would you use words such as waver or uncertainty, hesitation, undecided, suspect, fear, withhold confidence? And yet we all do it. We all have a doubt. In the middle of whatever storm of life that we're in, we all are going to doubt at some point. We're all going to make those problems in our life bigger than what God is. And that's the that whole message of this morning, that God is bigger. He's bigger than every storm that we're going to encounter. Bigger than every, every problem that we're going to have in our life. So when we, we start to unpack, looking at this uh, the story where Jesus walks on the water, just actually kind of to back up a little bit to set it up, um, John the Baptist was beheaded. And uh, John's disciples carried his body away and came and told Jesus about it. And Jesus was, uh, you know, of course, upset. And, and he moves to, um, he withdrew to a boat, to a solitary place to pray, to reflect, to think. And, uh, and then a bunch of people followed him, right? And then that's when it leads into the story of the feeding of the 5,000. So another story of doubt and of, of fear and of faith. 
so as Jesus comes on shore and all these people come up and, and, uh, and they want to listen, and Jesus is healing, he's preaching, he's caring for people, and he's showing compassion in a time when, when he was struggling, when, when he had troubles of, of, you know, with John the Baptist is now gone, um, and so he had those, that in his heart, and yet he was still giving himself and giving his time uh, and giving his compassion, his mercy, and his grace uh, to these others. And when the evening came, and uh, the disciples came and said, we don't have enough food to feed all these people, we should send them away. And Jesus says, no, don't send them away, you know, we're going to take care of it. And the disciples doubted. You know, there's many different times here leaving, leading up to this that they had fears or they had doubts. And witnessed all of the miracles that they've witnessed, and they still doubted. And uh, so, as the, as the Bible says, is that uh, you know Jesus blessed the food, and uh, the food spread around, and there was even some left over after feeding 5,000 men plus women and children. So we call it the feeding of the 5,000 people, but it was a lot more than that. Uh, so it's just an, a miracle, amazing miracle. So after that, and what it says in the book of John is, is uh, witnessing that miracle, the people said, he is truly the Messiah, we need to make him the king. And, and Jesus sensed that, and so went away again to a solitary place and, and uh, asked his disciples to head out onto the boat um, away from him so he could uh, spend the time praying. So uh, when we go uh, into verse 14, or into chapter 14, verse 24... Um, it says that the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves against, uh, because the wind was against it. Uh, now this was about, as, as they estimated, about at that time, a five-mile journey across the, uh, the sea. And depending on what translation or what scholar you read, there's a couple of different thoughts, but uh, the, the original language, it says that it was many stadia away, which it could have been as much as three to three and a half miles. So, so they were in the boat rowing against the wind, rowing against the waves, having a really tough time. I don't know if there's anybody out there who spent some time in boats, either rowing or out on the ocean. Yeah, I, I remember one time, uh, and this was nothing compared to this, but uh, we were at a Crescent Lake up outside of Port Angeles up in the mountains. And uh, my brother and I and our, our family, we had a couple of rowboats, and we got out into Crescent Lake and uh, out fishing. And then pretty soon we kind of realized that we had drifted out into the middle of the lake. It kind of felt like somebody had pulled the plug and we were just kind of drifting towards the middle. And uh, it was quite windy that day. And so my brother was in one boat and I was another. And we rowed and rowed. It, it felt like days. I mean, we rowed so hard. By the time we got, finally got to the shore, it was anything, I mean, it was everything we could do to lift our hands up on the steering wheels to drive back to camp. It was, you know, kids, please put my arms on the steering wheel. Because it was just, it hurt. So I can only imagine with a boat the size that they had, how much trouble they were having. They were rowing, they were rowing, the wind was battering them around. And actually, in the, in the, uh, it actually says the word is, is not buffeted necessarily, but tormented. Tormented by the wind, tormented by the waves, tormented by the situation at hand. And, uh, you know, so they were trying to persevere through that. It had to have been tough. And, and they were doing it for a long time because moving on through, through uh, looking at verses 25 and 26, uh, it talks about the, the fourth watch of the night. So, so according to Jewish time, uh, the day begins at sunset. 
uh, at about 6 p.m. and then is divided in a 12 divided the 12-hour night into three-hour watches, six to nine, nine to midnight, midnight to 3 a.m. and 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. So they had been out there for a considerable length of time, and, and as I read through this and studied this, I was thinking about it and. Uh, the amount of times that we put ourselves in situations uh, or we happen upon a situation we have troubles in our life and uh, we are trying to persevere through them ourselves. We try to push through the issues or push through the troubles uh, all by ourselves. No matter what, I mean, tons of things heaped on top of us and I, I, have, I totally admit that I have been there and done that myself, that everything just kind of heaped on top of you and you just try and push through it without asking for any help, without, without, uh, without asking God for any help, without asking anyone else in your life for help who might have gone through the same thing. And you just try and push through, push through, persevere, no matter how bad the waves are, no matter how bad the wind is, uh, no matter how close your boat is to sinking and you yourself are close to sinking, uh, we still try and push through. And that, that's where this story comes in. And, and, and Jesus says, you know, I'm here. Watch me. I have, I have mercy. I have compassion for you. I love you. I've created you. You know, rest in me. And that's what he says in here. So, so as they're out there, they're rowing like mad, going like crazy. Uh, and, and, you know, the sea was this, was this thing that, that they weren't overly familiar with. These guys were sailors. They were fishermen. They had spent a lot of time in the water. Uh, but there's still a lot of mythology. There's still a lot of stories surrounding the sea. And, and so they had to have been frightened. They had to have been scared. And then when they saw Jesus uh, walking on the water, I, I don't know about you, but if I was out on a boat, I would doubt. And the first thing I would say is I'd look up and say, it's a ghost. You know, it's the same thing that they did. And uh, But Jesus looks at him. In uh, verse 27, and he said to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. And that's the same thing in these storms of life, these storms that we have, all these troubles, it's the same thing that Jesus tells us today. He tells us, take courage, don't be afraid, it is I. And, and actually that it is I, he actually said, it is I am. You know, as we sang that song before the throne of God, the great I am. You know, so Jesus is there telling the disciples that. And, uh, you know, as we go through things, as we think about the problems that we have with uh, marriage, maybe, or you might, you might be having a problem with your finances, or you might have just tons of stress heaped on you from your, from your workplace. Uh, you might have changes in life. I'm seeing some newly graduated guys down here who are going to be going off to college or going out into the military. These fears of life, things change, things are going to be different. Their lives are going to change, and so are the people around them are going to have to change. And situations are going to come up where their faith is tested. Situations are going to come up where their, their morals, their values, their convictions are tested. And they're going to have to persevere through them. And it's, it's difficult, right? I think we've all, we've all been in those situations. We've all had things in our life, whether it's uh, addictions, uh, to, to drugs or alcohol, whether it's uh, sexual abuse, child abuse, all of these things that happen in our life, they're bad. But that's why Jesus is there. He says, you know, it is I, it is the great I am. 
I am your rock. I am your redeemer. You know, I am here for you. So he says, it's, you know, in that, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. He's saying that there's no need to fear, no reason to doubt. In the middle of the storm, whether literal, literal or figurative, a storm in life, there is no need to fear. If you have not placed your faith, your trust in Jesus, then when a storm arises, where do you turn? And Jesus says, here, turn to me. I am the great I am. I am here. There is no reason to fear. You just need faith that I will make the problems go away or at least become bearable. And even sometimes, the problems that become somewhat bearable can sometimes even be a little bit more difficult as we put more faith and more trust in Jesus. Because he didn't say that it was going to be an easy life, right? He said in some cases it's going to be a lot more difficult whenever you fully put your faith and your trust in him. Um, but he is there as that solid rock of something to always go back to. So, I mean, if you're here and you haven't put your faith and your trust in Christ, that's what I ask you today is, where do you turn? You know, where do you look? What is that rock that you tie to to bring you back to, to, to ground, you know? So looking at uh, verse 28 and 29, Peter looks out. He says, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. And come, he said. So Peter's statement Including an action, a step of faith, is an act of obedience. He was beginning to be convinced that it was Jesus that he was seeing out there on the waves, and he was just beginning to think that he and the other disciples could do some incredible things through the power of Jesus. So if you think of the realities of that moment, the wind, the water, the waves, they were tormented enough by the sea that it had to be overwhelming to him and to the others. We sometimes see that in that midst of that storm, that it's overwhelming. It's hard, and our natural inclination is self-preservation. It's to sometimes kind of wrap up and protect ourselves when you get backed into a corner. Uh, or come out fighting, depending on which crowd you're in. If you're an MMA fan, you might be doing that. Um, Peter shows a tremendous amount of faith in the power of Jesus here when he steps out on the water, when he dips that toe in. Now, this wasn't anything that he had seen before. There weren't any other miracles listed, nothing else listed in the Bible uh, where anyone has walked on water. So this wasn't something that he, he had seen before. Well, he's like, oh, well, Bob did that, so I'm going to jump out and do that. This was, this was something that was new. So the faith, the courage that it took to actually take that leap is just something that is, is amazing to me. It's, it's like, you know, I, I think of the uh, uh, um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. There was a part where Indiana Jones had to walk across a bridge that wasn't there, right? It was, it was camouflaged. It was hidden. As he stood across, there was this huge chasm between him and, and uh, this, the other place where he was going. And, uh, you know, he remembered the word in, in, his, in his head that he had to just step out in faith. And as he looked and he saw nothing and he took that one step and leaned forward and, you know, there was a bridge there. And that's a lot of what Peter did here. He took that leap of faith. He had the faith to take that leap and step out onto the water. <coughs> so at two other times in the book of Matthew, the, 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 the hypocrites 
uh, would ask for, sign, for a sign to back up Jesus' claim of who he was. And both times, Jesus denied them because he knew that they would not believe him and yet still wouldn't have any faith even though he provided the sign. So he hadn't come to put on a show in order to create a faith where none existed, but faith did exist in Peter, albeit it was, it was small at that point. Jesus, like a patient parent, allowed Peter this demonstration of his power to nurture Peter's faith to the next level of maturity. He commanded Peter to come to him, and both Peter and the water obeyed. And that was something that I had to stop and really think about, that Peter obeyed, but the water had to obey Jesus as well. Obviously, the natural, what water is, it's not going to naturally be able to be walked on unless it is frozen solid. This was not frozen solid. So the water had to obey Jesus at this point. Um, so he commanded Peter to come out. The Peter and the water obeyed. Sometimes you might feel that you fail when you are in the midst of a trial. You feel that you are stepping out in faith, and yet you fall into the water. But what Jesus wants from us is not necessarily just to walk on water, but he wants that act of obedience, which is the hard thing to do. There are, there are, there are trials that you guys will face, that we all face, where we need to come to a point where we have to make a decision. And whether we go our own way or we obey Christ and go his way is one or the other. And that's what he wants from us is that act of obedience. Sometimes we might fail. You might just completely fall through and it might not happen. But Jesus looks at us and says, but you obeyed. You obeyed. And these are hard decisions. I, you know, I, I recently have come to have to make some really hard decisions in my life about, you know, at the age of almost 40 and, and having four children, a wife and four children that I have to care for. By the way, my, I love this. My entire family is right down here, which is amazing, including my mommy and my daddy, who've come from a long ways away. Uh, and, and I think that's totally awesome. But So I've had to come to make some hard decisions in my life and in my career on what I do and whether I continue to pursue uh, you know, a secular position or, or, or I, I step out in obedience and faith and say, God, you have called me to this. I know this. I have to step out and do it. And it's scary. You know, you don't know what's next. You don't know what's going to happen. You're not exactly sure how you're going to put food on the table. And some of you have been in that position where, where you've been in a job for a long time and, and you know that you've got to leave it because of whatever is going on. Or, or you've recently been laid off and, and you've got to step out in faith and trust that God is going to take care of you. You've got to trust that he's going to put the bread on the table, that he's going to put a, a roof over your head, and at least keep your family together at the very least. You've got to trust. You've got to obey. And he says, take courage. Do not be afraid. It is I. But if we keep our eyes fixed on him, on the person and the work of, uh, of Jesus, we remain or keep our faith strong, then we're going to be okay. So now Peter is, uh, is out on the water, and he can see his, with, his, with his physical eyes, he can see the violent and stormy sea. Um, and, and he allowed that become lar- to become larger in his mind than Jesus. Even though all of these miracles that he had witnessed already, and everything that the, the disciples had witnessed already, he still allowed that storm to become larger. So the complexities 
of the rise and the fall of the waves, the wind buffeting, bearing down hard, tormenting the boat and the guys. You know, uh, I, just, I just can't imagine being in that. It's, that would be the other thing. The fear thing would be boats, water, seasickness. I don't know. Does anybody else in here get seasick? Oh, my gosh. Oh, good. Thank you, Ben. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, we we went, out, uh, went out fishing one time. Uh, my uh, my big brother and my my dad and I we went out to through the mouth of the Columbia and went salmon fishing out off of the Oregon coast and I had heard how rough the sea the the water was out there and I was scared to death because I did not want to create shark chum because that would have happened it was it would have been bad so the night before as I didn't eat the night before I actually I think I, I didn't eat lunch and I didn't eat dinner because I was afraid of what was going to be in there and the next morning I didn't eat food and I had like Dramamine patches, like nicotine patches all over my body and little things behind my ears. And I was chewing ginger gum and drinking water. And, and I, I was just scared to death of what was going to happen. Lo and behold, it was smooth sailing going out. And I was hungry. Uh, but praise God, then it went well. And uh, I did catch a shark, actually. It was about a three and it was 12-foot shark. In my mind, it was. And it took me four hours to reel it in. But... Uh, it, it was a good time, but that fear, I had just let it overcome me. I'd let it just sink in and, and, and I was afraid of, of the waves. I was afraid of the boat crashing down. I was afraid of getting sick. And, and so I let it affect me. I let it change who I was. <coughs> Excuse me. But Jesus was always teaching his disciples and he was teaching them in this situation. Every moment, every conversation, every demonstration, was intended to develop his, his, uh, his church's foundational leaders. Peter cries out, Lord, save me. The same as back in chapter 8, uh, earlier when the, when the storm arose. And the same thing, you know, Jesus was asleep on the boat. A storm came and all the disciples came and woke up Jesus. And Lord, save us, Lord, save us. And so this, you know, again, this wasn't new for the disciples. But Jesus loves that kind of cry. He loves it. You know, sometimes we read this and, and uh, you know, we read it and say, and Peter said, Lord, save me. He cried out, Lord, save me. But he cried out. He cried out and said, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. I can't do anything without you. Save me. And Jesus loves that kind of cry. He loves to hear it when we're at that point that we can no longer rely on ourselves. He, he, he desires to hear that from us. It's, it's music to the Father's ears. And Jesus, the Messiah, answered Peter's cry immediately by reaching out and grabbing him. And then calmly said, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? The problem was that Peter's faith was supplanted by doubt. And taking his, off, taking his eyes off of Jesus for that short period of time, allowing Jesus to decrease and his problems around him to increase. Even Peter, who, who had witnessed all of these miracles, who was one of Jesus' closest friends, his, his partners, his comrades, his are always around each other, he still had not learned to trust the king fully. And that, that's us today, right? That's you guys. That's us. We have a hard time fully trusting our king, fully putting our faith in our king. But he's there to take courage in. Do not be afraid. So in 32, verse 32 and 33, it says, When they climbed into the boat, 
The wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, truly, you are the Son of God. So, so God had evidently sent a storm primarily for this test, for as soon as Jesus and Peter climbed back into the boat, the storm stopped. So, so we've really, you know, we've got several miracles here, three miracles of Jesus walking on water, Peter walking on water, and the storm stopping like that. And this, all this just to bring the disciples to a greater level of understanding of Jesus than they had ever had before. And the response was to worship Jesus, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And this was not just a statement of respect of saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. It was their confession to him. It was, it was implied awe and adoration to him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And yet the doubt would still come to creep back in later in other stories until the work was fully accomplished. So do you see God as greater than your problems or your problems and situations as greater than God? Greater than the storm that you're battling against? Greater than your your financial woes? Greater than a marriage problem, a relationship problem? Problems with a, a teenager or kids at school? Problems with addiction, Let's, you know, we could spread this out even further. And you might not be personally affected by this, but there may be people in your life that are that you can speak this into. So I ask you, what is bigger, God or a drug addiction? God or child abuse? God or wars or conflicts? God is bigger than it all. He created all of it. And we let these things creep in and become bigger than him. And we lose our faith. We doubt. And we sing that song, Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God. If we wake up every morning and we sing that song, we sing, Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. And every time you face a trial in your life and you sing, Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. And you can speak that into the lives of the people that are around you. And, and you may have somebody in your life in, the, in a social circle and in the workplace environment. And you know, this is our, our job to be missional as, as followers of Jesus, as disciples making disciples, is to go out into the world where you are and speak to those people, speak into their lives. And you might know people who are going through these struggles. And you can say, I hear you. I can understand or I may not be able to relate, or may not be able to understand, but let me tell you, I worship a God that is greater, that is bigger, that is stronger than all of that that you were going through. And let me, let me, let me tell you about him. You know? And people might not hear that right away. It may take time after time after time after time of them trying to, to, to muddy their way through it, to row against the waves, to battle against the wind. They, God might have set this up for them to... to Bring them all the way down to rock bottom. You know, if anybody even watched that, uh, those shows about uh, drug addiction or whatever, some of those people are at their very rock bottom. The next place, I mean, they've got one foot in the grave. The next place is death. They are just abusing themselves with drugs, abusing themselves with alcohol, and there's no place left for them to go. And Jesus looks at that and he says, there is somewhere else for you to go. There is somewhere else that you can put your faith and put your trust, your trust and put your hope in, and it is me. It is in the great 
I am. He is the King. He alone erases the doubt in our mind by the miracles He works in our lives. And some of you could probably attest that it was probably a miracle to get you here today. Um, especially if you were at the shootout over the last three days and you might be a little tired from uh, sleeping out in the open. I know there's a couple of people who slept right underneath the stars and that, uh, you know, that exhaustion might have crept in a little bit. Or some of you just... You might be sitting here saying, I really don't know about this whole Jesus thing. I really don't understand anything about it. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It sounds like a big story in mythology to me, but I'll go. You know, your spouse might have drugged you here or your friend. And we're happy that you're here because you get to hear this message. So when we allow the enemy, though, to blind us, to keep the truth from us, doubt creeps in, our burdens increase. They're wet, heavy and they weigh you down. Our faith can decrease. The more we try to do ourselves, we struggle against the wind. We are buffeted. We are tormented by the wind. The storms in our life. The wind is strong. But Jesus says, look at me. Keep your eyes in me. Rest in me. Reside in me. Follow me. I have the answers. I love you. I created you. I died for you. Is what he says. So we're in the middle of these storms. There's, I've put together kind of five things that we can do, and I put the scripture up here that you can write it down and go back. We're not going to read through all of it. Um, but uh, what can we do about doubt? Number one is we can gain assurance from God's word, from the stories of hope and grace and mercy. That's right. And that's what I was saying. If you don't have a Bible, you pick one up, take it home, and read it. Don't let it set and collect dust, because there's so much in here that... Uh, is just full of God's assurance in here. Number two, remembering God's past goodness in your life. What is the evidence of God's grace in your lives? I, I remember, uh, I think two times ago, I, I, uh, when I got up here to preach, I, I did that. I stopped and said, what is the evidence of God's grace in your lives? And we passed around a microphone, and it was really hard for, a few, for people to get up and talk about it. But there are so many people in here with stories of God's grace. Whether you've battled illness, uh, cancer, uh, whether you've been having financial problems and, and God has brought you out of it, whether you've had problems of addiction, or you've just been so far separated from, from God and you've recently found Jesus. And if you've come to him and, and you've put your faith and your trust in him. What is the evidence of God's grace in your life? Number three, reflecting on his power, realizing the world around you, and um, sometimes how small you are. I got to see that a few weeks ago. We went on a, a long tour, uh, from, uh, drove from Mississippi back home here to Duval in an RV. What an adventure that was. And uh, we got to see the Grand Canyon. And uh, um, my wife was looking at it. We were standing there looking at it, and Tanya uh, and there's a, a guy who kind of came over, and, and uh, she turned around and looked at him, and she said, it's just like God's th uh, thumbprint on the earth. And he kind of looked, and, hmm, okay, and turned around and walked away. But I got, gosh, that is so accurate. That is so right. How small you feel when you're standing above looking down into the Grand Canyon. When you're looking far out, how small you feel and how big God feels. It's just amazing. And yet what's funny is after that, I had a little minor trial myself where after seeing how big God was in that and, and you know, receiving a phone call of, 
of, uh, of being turned down for a job that you really thought that you, you were going to get, right? It, 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 I hate it when that happens. And I come from a place where I saw how big God was, and then this happened, and I really let it, let it get me down. And I was to the point, if, if Tanya and the kids weren't in there, I just veered the RV into the Grand Canyon, I would have been fine. It would have been great. Oh, it would have been over. But I let that doubt creep in. I let that fear creep in. I let the enemy get the best of me. But, you know, that night, uh, actually funny, funnier story, is right after that, after that, that, that little detour, we're barreling down the highway north of the Grand Canyon heading to Kanab, Utah. Uh, beautiful drive. Not really. And uh, we hit a detour sign, and, which took us a couple hours in the other direction through the Navajo Reservation. More beautiful drive. And uh, we were so far out of the way, and I was already pretty upset. I was already pretty mad. Of God, why are you doing this to me? And I was just crying out to the Lord on the inside. You know, Tiny was being nice and touching my shoulder. And I'm just like, don't touch me, woman. Love you. And uh, I was just crying out to the Lord inside. God, why are you doing this to me? Why am I letting this fear and this doubt creep in? And then uh, uh, we never made it to our, our destination that we wanted to make it to. But we made it to Lake Powell, Arizona. And, and uh, I did a lot of praying that night. And woke up the next morning with... Jeremiah 10.23 in my heart of uh, man does not direct his own steps. God is sovereign. He's got a plan in all of this. You know, we just have to put our faith, put our trust, don't fear, and hold on. So, uh, number four, appealing to his unfailing love. Psalm 6, let me turn to that real quick here. Psalm chapter 6, verse 2. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I am faint. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are in anguish. My soul is in anguish. How long, O Lord, how long? You know, some of you out there might be tormented by something right now. And you could take assurance in that. You could appeal to to God's unfailing love, His unchanging love, because it will never change for you. He, you know, the, the word says that he was the same yesterday and today and forever. And his, his eyes towards you, his heart towards you will, will never change. And number five, encouraging one another. Uh, much like at the shootout. <laughs> Having compassion, that part didn't happen. Having compassion with one another that reflects God's own compassion uh, for you. He's not a God... That, uh, that leaves you to weather the storm on your own. He has compassion and mercy and shows us grace. And we should do the, others, do, do the same to others. Somebody else, your neighbor, might be sitting next to you going through something and, and, and they're unwilling to talk about it. But showing them compassion will, will bring that out. So what do we do with all of this? <coughs> It's a matter of punctuation, right? Um, don't put a question mark where God has already placed a period. So what is a period? It's a full stop. It's the, the, the completion of an idea. It's the completion of a sentence. God has completed it in here. So don't question it. When we doubt, we're removing that period and inserting that question mark. 
So if you are here today um, and you haven't accepted Christ in your life, um, here's what that period is. God loves you so much that he created you. And when you were separated, no longer, he, he longed to be reconciled with you, and so he left his heavenly throne, came down in the flesh as Jesus, to walk alongside and teach, to love, to forgive, to reconcile. When he was taken to the cross, it was because people doubted. They didn't believe. Jesus was nailed to that cross, bearing your burdens, bearing your sin, bearing all of your junk, your doubt, your fears. And when that period was added, when it was finished, all of that was wiped away. So that's why I say if you have not put your faith in Jesus today, He's wiped away everything that you have done. He's wiped away all of your fear. He's wiped away all of your your disbelief. That was all nailed to the cross. And that that period was, was added. That completion of that sentence was added. So much so that, that when Jesus died and he was still up there on the cross and, and, and you know, miracles happened there, the, the, the curtain was torn and earthquake and the centurion, the guard that was standing there to watch him, looked up and said, the same thing as Peter, the same thing as his disciples, the unbelieving centurion looked up and said, truly, that was the Son of God. Truly, that was the Son of God. He was a man that didn't believe, that doubted. His friends were probably the ones who who tormented Jesus, who did some bad things. He may have been one to do it himself. But Jesus died for him as well. So it doesn't matter how, how bad your muck is in your life. You don't have to get things right in your life first before you come to know Jesus. Because you can't do it alone. You can't do it without him. He is the great I am. Take courage. Don't have fear. So to return, all that Jesus asks is for us to obey. To take courage and believe in that great I am. Let's pray. To the saints, if uh, any of you out there today, if you have trials going on in your life, you have things going on that you, you, you have, have made them larger than Jesus. I want to pray for you today. If there's anyone out there today who has not put their faith in Christ, have not put their faith or trust in a Jesus, in a God that is bigger than them, I'd love it if you just raise your hand right now. If there's anybody out there who, who says, you know, gosh... I've been doing it all wrong. I've been so self-reliant. I've been relying on, on the needs of, of, of the things around me. I've been relying on the world. I put my faith, my trust in other things and not in the God of the universe. Not in my Creator. And I want to pray for you today. Heavenly Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for being bigger than than anything that we could imagine. I thank you for for coming down and and living alongside us and, and living for us and dying for us, for bleeding for us, for wiping away every sin, every tear, 
I thank you for rising again, for being alive, for being that, that ever-present hope, that ever-present rock. I just thank you so much for who you are, Lord. And Lord, I pray for, for anyone in this room today that is just going through junk, going through stuff. I pray, Lord, that you would just reach down your hand and say, don't doubt, have no fear, take courage, it is I. And that you grab their hand, Lord, and that, that through that storm they can see that, that the waves, that the wind, that everything that they've been battling against are nothing compared to you. We thank you, Lord, for being such a big God. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen.